Thank you. 
He's so good. I love that song. He started preaching it already. But there's a few things God can't do. He can't lie and he can't change. Amen? High five your neighbor and say, welcome home. Welcome home as you find your seat, as you find your seat. So glad. Such a good day. I'm so glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And uh, if you're worshiping with us for the first time, or maybe you've been with us for a little while and you haven't followed up or gotten connected, we just want to say welcome home officially. And if you're a first-time guest online, in person, maybe watching for a while, there's a few things we would like for you to do. The first thing is you can text D1 text to 845 you can uh, scan the QR code on the screen, or you can grab the Connect card on the pew in front of you. Please fill that out, and there's a number of ways that we want to follow up with you. You can drop it in one of the giving boxes as you exit today, or you can head to our guest reception, which is as you exit into the lobby, it's the space on the left. Our pastors, some of our leadership team would love to meet you. It would be an honor to meet you. So, Dothan First, can we welcome our first-time guests this morning? I'm so glad that they're here. And on that D1 text, if you're in the house, uh, there's a few things we want you to know that you can sign up for. You can sign up for baptism. We love celebrating people as we did last week. Uh, child dedication, grow track, life group. So please stay connected to the life of the church. And uh, we got some information we want to share with you, starting with tonight. Somebody say tonight. Uh, due to inclement weather, we've ha unfortunately had to cancel our trunk or treat. And uh, we hate to cancel things, but we want to thank all of you for your hard work and you preparing for the people that were going to come onto our property tonight. Uh, it's one of the many ways that we do outreach. So we do want to say this to you. If you spend a lot of money, a lot of time, effort, energy, and creativity, please keep those ideas for next year. We're going to continue to plan to do that. Even if you brought candy, you can still donate it or, you know, to a school or something, to a classroom. But uh, also, we just want you to keep in mind that uh, even though the weather didn't... Uh, come on our side for our event we do want you to know that we are still planning to have the event next year so please keep those ideas fresh your costumes we don't want you to have to spend any more money and um we also ask that you help share the word on social media because a lot of people may not have gotten the news so if you invited some families please we created a post on instagram please share that post and uh, to let them know that but also speaking of outreach we want you to know that uh we continue to do this these efforts so don't forget feed dothan is coming up on november 19th somebody say november 19th you can pick up your boxes today in the lobby. This is a way that we help feed families during the Thanksgiving season. And we want to do that because we want to feed people physically and spiritually during this season. So the cost is around $50. So if you go out to the lobby, you'll see a display of everything that goes in that box. If you pick up a box after service, there will be a packing list included. The overall cost is $50 for us to feed a family. So uh, there's a few things we want you to do. One, pick up boxes, pick up multiples if you would like but you can also scan the QR code to serve that Saturday or uh, when you pick up those boxes we want to make you aware that by November 13th that's a Sunday before that event that you please return the boxes by then because we need them to make sure we have enough to feed these families so November 13th is the deadline for your boxes November 18th is the event and that's for feed November 19th is the event that's for feed Dothan also this Wednesday November the 2nd is our front porch hangout for our brotherhood and sisterhood classes and so we want to invite you to invite people to that event uh, men of all ages ladies of all ages it's a time of fellowship and spiritual development some great conversations and 
and friendships develop out of that. So please come this Wednesday, November 2nd at 6.30. And don't forget to follow us on social media, on all of our platforms. That's one of the ways we stay up to date. Also on the YouVersion Bible app, we encourage you to take notes. I say it all the time to our students. We believe that note takers are world changers. So please continue to dive deeper into God's word. Pastor Mark is going to deliver a challenging message. So how many of you are excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Well, now is the part of our service where we get to give. If you're thankful and God has blessed you, why don't you say amen? amen. Say amen. I want to give you a missions update. Some of the things that's been going on since the beginning of 2022. We have been able to add five new missionaries that we support since 2022. Can y'all give it up for yourselves? Five new missionaries. And so... It's so amazing, but due to your extravagant generosity and your faithfulness to this house and to the mission of loving God and loving people, we've been able to add those missionaries to continue to, to spread the gospel all over the world. So thank you for your generosity. But on the screen, you're going to see five ways to give. And we want, to part, we want you to partner with us in your giving, uh, wh whatever that's like, if you want to do it physically or online. But in those five ways, please participate in what we're doing. And as we get ready to go back into worship, I'm going to go, go ahead and ask you to go ahead and stand on your feet. And as you're doing that, our elders are getting ready to make uh, their way to their various stations of prayer. Here in this house, we believe in healing. Amen. We believe God can touch your body today. And so uh, we're asking our elders to go to their various stations of prayer. They'll be under both exits here on the main floor and one in the balcony. And as I get ready to pray over our continued time of worship and giving, uh, if you have a need, once, at the moment I say amen, you can slip out from your seat and go to one of these elders. They're going to anoint you and believe and pr pray a prayer of faith for your healing because we know God wants to do miracles in this house today. Amen. Let me pray for you as we get ready to go back into worship. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Father, I love the song that we sang earlier because even though there are things that you can't do, I'm so thankful that you can't change. And Father, we are trusting that your faithfulness, your commitment to your people, as you divinely touch us in this moment of worship, we're going to lift up your name. We're going to lift up praises to you so that your presence in this place, so there's, there's faith in this place so that we experience healing in this place today. Father, we love you and we're going to continue to worship you. Father, we ask these things in your name and everybody said real loud, amen, amen.
trustworthy God you never fail we put all our hope in you Jesus Even when I don't feel it, you're working. 
invite each one of you to remember that God is working, even if it's not the way that you thought he would. And sometimes when it's not what we thought it would look like, it can be easy to shake our faith, to shake our trust in him. But his promise is that he always works everything for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So whatever you're going through this morning, whatever the battle is, whatever the struggle, even if it seems like it's been ongoing, I just want to invite you in this moment to take the time to recommit your faith to him, to know that he is working, that he's doing something. It may not look like what you think it needs to look like, but it's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect because that's always his will. It's always what he does. So come on this morning as we sing this and let's commit our trust to him again today.
the name above all names, Jesus. We sing Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved Him more and more. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust this morning. Praise the Lord who's trustworthy. We love you, Jesus. We honor you, God. We thank you. Aren't you thankful that we can trust in his unfailing name? Amen. Well, tell your neighbor he's trustworthy. Give him a high five and be seated this morning. Of all the fears that grip our hearts, no fear is greater than the fear of death. There are those who will tell you that death is a natural part of life. But if death is just a part of life, then why does it cause us such anger and sorrow? When God created humanity, he intended for us to grow more and more beautiful over time. But in one tragic moment, we unleashed sin into the world, and everything broke, including our bodies. Death is the ultimate consequence of sin, and it fills God's heart with anger and sorrow even more than it does ours, because death was not a part of God's original plan. The Bible says that when Jesus approached the tomb of his friend Lazarus, he quaked with rage, and his eyes filled with tears. He was overwhelmed by the suffering caused by death, a curse we had brought upon ourselves. Death's curse was physical, 
both the world and our bodies were decaying. But death's curse was also spiritual, eternally separating humanity from their creator, the source of all light, love, and life. But because of God's amazing love, he chose to surrender all power and glory to rescue us from death. Jesus, God's only son, was expelled from the presence of the Father and thrust into complete darkness in our place. He took humanity's curse upon himself, breaking death's grip on us and purchasing humanity a place at the Father's side forever. A day is coming when the true King will return at last to restore the world to its full glory and us with it, renewing both soul and body. You'll still be yourself, but even more so. You'll finally be the real you. On that day, we'll look at each other and say, I always knew you could be like this. I saw glimpses of the real you, flashes of it, and now here you are. Our future is not an ethereal, impersonal one. You're not going to float through the clouds. You're going to walk. You're going to eat. You're going to laugh. You're going to hug. You're going to sing in realms and degrees of power and joy that you cannot now imagine. Some will tell you not to fear death because it's part of life. But Jesus says not to fear death because it's been defeated. And the day will come when Jesus embraces you with his nail-scarred hands and says, welcome home. I have so much to show you. Come on, isn't that amazing? That's our future. That's our hope. Jesus Christ, him crucified and given us freedom for all of eternity. Come on, just thank God for right now for a moment. Thank him for what he's done. Hey, listen, I want to take a moment and welcome all that are here for the very first time. We're so glad that you're here. Those joining with us online for the first time, uh, we're so glad that you chose to worship God with us today. And listen, for you that are here in the building, what a joy uh, it would be for us to be able to connect with you and meet you right after this service. So if you don't mind, just take a moment uh, after the service, just go out these doors and to your left, it'll be a guest reception room, and it'll be there just for you, for us to be able to connect with you and give you a gift for hanging out with us today. But we're so honored that you chose to worship God with us here today at Dothan First. Grab your copy of God's Word, and if you could say this with me, say, I am what God's Word says I am. I can do what God's word said I can do. I can become all that God said I could be. So today, I'll hear God's word, I'll receive God's word, and I'll obey God's word because I love his word. Now turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, your pastor is more upset than anybody else about the cancellation of trunk or treat. Let me just tell him. Woo! I mean to tell you, I love, love, love reaching our community in uh, very tangible ways, and I hate it when it doesn't work out, but uh, God will get the glory anyway. And I, I know, you know, tomorrow I know that you're going to have some, some, some little ones probably ringing your doorbell, um, and they're going to become, you're going to dress up, you know, in different costumes, and some of them are going to be dressed up as little angels, and you know, 
that might be true for some of those kiddos, and some of them are going to be dressed up like little devils. And that may also be true based on the parents' uh, experience. But you know, sometimes when little kids, cute little kids dress up in little costumes, we kind of think of it as just a myth. Like it's just story time. It's fairy tales. Angels and devils are just kind of, it's kind of fairy tales. Like heaven and hell is just kind of a fairy tale. How many of you know they are two literal and eternal places? We talked about this last week. And... um, I did hear a, a story, actually it's, it's a joke, I'm going to just let you know right up front, and this joke was uh, given to me this week by the mayor, the mayor told me this joke, and so I feel like I'm okay to say that if he said it, uh, but it was so funny, it was in the midst of him uh, and his team honoring pastors, a number of pastors, friends of mine, uh, for Pastor Appreciation Month, and I so appreciated that gesture from our mayor's office. But, uh, but so here was, here's what he said. He said, uh, on a Sunday morning in church, all of a sudden, a lightning bolt hit on stage, clouds of smoke, and when the smoke dissipated, Satan was standing before the congregation right there behind the pulpit. And people were scurrying, running for their lives. Uh, People were running everywhere to the building. was almost completely empty. And there was just one man, one elderly gentleman sitting on the front row, arms folded like he didn't have a care in the world. And Satan just looked at him. He was so upset. He said, aren't you afraid of me? The man said, no, I'm not afraid of you. He said, well, don't you know who I am? He's like, yeah, I know who you are. He said, I've been married to your sister for the past 50 years. I definitely know who you are. Uh, Anyway, I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. Don't send emails either to me or to the mayor's office on behalf of that joke. But I thought, I thought it was, (laughs) I thought it was funny. So we're talking about in this series called Eternity, we're talking about heaven and hell. And today I want to tell you what's going on in hell, biblically, like what in hell is happening? Okay, That's, I'm going to talk to you about that today. Specifically, what's going on? And the last uh, week, I shared with you briefly that all of us were made as eternal beings. Humanity, the Bible says, God planted eternity in our hearts. We were made in the image of God. God created us eternal beings to live forever. And we'll spend way more time on the other side of eternity than we do here on earth. It's, you know, 80 to 100 years, and, and that's about it here on earth. But in heaven, we're talking about trillions and trillions of years. And, and the Bible says specifically that these two literal eternal places called heaven and hell are real and heaven is better than you could have ever imagined it's not us sitting up on a cloud somewhere with a harp okay for eternity floating on clouds that's not that's not heaven okay Uh, and the next few weeks lord willing i'm going to be able to talk to you about what's happening in heaven what in heaven is happening but but specifically today you need to understand hell is far worse than you ever heard or imagined according to god's word Jesus said in Matthew 25 that I'm going to prepare a place for you, talking about heaven, that those of you who love God, who know God, who've received this eternal gift of salvation that Jesus offered by sacrificing his body as a a death, it was a death penalty that we deserved for our sin, and he took it upon himself to take all of the sin of humanity, mine and yours, he took it on the cross with him. 
He bore the weight of the penalty for our sin so that we could receive forgiveness and grace and mercy for eternity in heaven. And Jesus said that. And then he said, but there is another place prepared. So there was a prepared place for you in heaven. Then there's a prepared place, the Bible said, for the devil and his demons. And it's called hell. And hell was not originally planned for human beings. It was prepared for the devil and his demons. And we choose where we spend eternity. People say, well, how can a loving God send people to hell? God doesn't send people to hell. God, listen, God did everything humanly possible to get you to heaven. He did it all for you. You've done very little to deserve or earn salvation. But he gives it as a free and sacrificial gift and it all comes down to who you worship you can choose to worship the one true god or you can choose to go with your sin and and if you follow where satan is you'll end up where satan goes you can choose heaven or you can choose hell based on the decisions that you make two doors in eternity one leads to heaven one leads to hell and listen by the way the god of the universe who created all of this has the right to tell us how to get to his house He does have the right to tell us how to get salvation, and he made it so easy. So how do you get there? Not by earning it, not by working for it, not by deserving it, but by accepting the free gift of salvation that Jesus paid for. Friends, listen, you would have to to crawl over a mountain of God's amazing grace and love to end up in hell. God made it so easy. Even the criminal on the cross, think about this. One person that we know is in heaven today. Jesus was, the Bible said, crucified between two thieves. And uh, one of those thieves looked at him and, and, and accepted Jesus as Messiah. And, and here's what the Bible says about that amazing declaration. He, he, was, he didn't have all the theology right. He didn't have all the doctrine right. He didn't have time to, to understand all the doctrine and theology. He didn't have time. That criminal did not have time to get off the cross and pay restitution and do all the things that were supposed to be right. He didn't have time to make up for what he had done wrong. But as the acceptance of Jesus in the best way he knew how to say it, Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. And listen, a deathbed conversion But I encourage you, I implore you, you don't know when you're going to take your next breath. So choose Jesus today while there is yet time. For once you make that last breath here, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. One day this body is is going to be gone. We take that last breath here, this physical body, then it, it, it decays. The spirit leaves and we're standing before God. And we have a choice to make here on earth to reject God and enter hell or to accept God's love and free gift, salvation. You know, it's it's amazing. God gives us chance after chance after chance after chance after chance. He says, I've given you a, a lifetime, an eternity to make a choice here on earth. I've given you all this time. Your whole life on earth, I'm giving you choices and opportunities and expressing my love to you. But Jesus said there in Matthew 25 uh, that those choosing to reject God's love will go away into eternal punishment. But for the righteous, those who choose right, choose God, it's eternal life. Friends, this this is about your eternal destiny right here. So I want you to listen very closely. And we're gonna, I'm going to bring you all the way back to the book of Genesis. 
You remember what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden, and we talked about that last week, that they made a willful decision to reject God, even though he had made this beautiful paradise for them. No work, right? No, uh, no pain in childbearing, apparently. I mean, just all kinds of amazing things. This paradise dream that they gave up by choosing to reject God's voice. And, and I just want to quickly express this. It, it, it may or may not line up with your theological perspective, but I've noticed that God works in 2000s. That Adam, from the time of Adam to the time of Abraham, which would have been God's first uh, official covenant with humans was when he made human beings and put them in a garden. That was, that was the beginning of, of time, the beginning of creation. And then, then from Adam to Abraham, where God uh, reestablished a new covenant with Abraham and said, here's what I want you to do. And it was really a, a picture of what Jesus Christ would then eventually come and fulfill. But from Adam to Abraham is 2,000 years. Then from Abraham all the way up to Jesus is 2,000 years where Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a sinless life, died on a cross for our sins, rose again on the third day to give us new life, now is seated at the right hand of God the Father, now interceding on your behalf. He's praying for you. Jesus is praying for you to, to, to make it. But just think about this. From Jesus to now is 2,000 years. I'm just saying, when you look at the totality of creation, what you find is six days of creation and then a seventh rest. And then the Bible talks about a millennial reign, which is actually a thousand-year period of time. I'm just saying, if he works for, for 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham and the work is being done, and from Abraham to Jesus and the work is still being done, and, and now from Jesus to us, the work is being done, and that's two, four, six thousand years of work. I think the earth, it's time to rest for a thousand years. I'm just saying we're getting ready. And I don't know what his timeline is for his soon return, but I'm just saying it seems to be getting close when I look at the news. And prophetically speaking, there's not much more that needs to be accomplished for him to come again. Let's get into it. Noah, in Noah's day, in Genesis chapter 6, you remember what happened. This, the, the preparation for a flood, he was building this ark that would house his family. In Genesis 6, 5 and 6 says, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. At times, it sounds a lot like today. The Lord was sorry that he ever made them and put them on the earth. The Bible says it broke his heart. Do you know that sin still breaks God's heart? When sin affects you and your family, when, when the problems of life, the turmoil of life, the pain of life affects your family because of the broken world we live in, because of the sin, it affects God. He weeps when he sees. He's sorrowful. It breaks his heart. And so when we see that breaking of God's heart, what we recognize is that still today, sin and evil exist in the world because of our collective choice to choose it. We often think of other people being the ones that choose sin, but we have collectively chosen sin. And because of that, sin and evil still exist. We choose to live for God or we choose to follow Satan when we sin. And the problem is this. Heaven is a perfect place. And I'm going to talk about it next week. It's a perfect place. Sin can't exist in heaven. 
If God let sin into heaven, it wouldn't be a perfect place. There'd be, there'd be selfishness and there'd be sorrow and there'd be all kinds of problems and pain all over again. It would be just like we have here on earth. And friends, I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend eternity in a place where there's sin and evil, where there's rape and molestation and abuse, right? And human trafficking and child molestation and terrorism and all the evil that we see, broken promises and broken relationships and a broken world. That's not heaven, and it wouldn't be heaven if God lets it in. So heaven is this perfect place. That means that only perfect people can go to the perfect place. And here's the problem. I'm not perfect and neither are you. David asked an important human question in Psalm chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. And by the way, I'm going to dig deep into a lot of different scriptures. So follow along carefully. I wanted to give you scriptural basis for what we're teaching today. David asked this in Psalm 15, verses 1 and 2. Lord, who may be a guest in your home? Talking about heaven. Who may live on your holy hill? Here's the answer. Whoever lives a blameless life. Everybody say blameless life. Who does what is right and speaks only honestly. Another translation says only those who are completely blameless and innocent and always do what is right. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Anybody see a problem with this? We don't fit the category. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We don't measure up to our own standard, let alone God's. And hell exists because God is holy and he's just and sin has to be dealt with. Friend, are you the kind of person that wants sin not to be dealt with? What kind of horrible person Would you be to not want things like murder or rape or abuse to be dealt with justly? God is holy. He's perfect. He's just. That means he acts with justice. He acts with justice. He always does the right thing. That means one day God is going to right the wrongs, right? He's going to balance the books. He's going to bring justice to the world. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but that hasn't happened yet. There's still some injustice in the world. Life is still unfair. Bad things still happen to good people, right? The earth is still broken because of sin. People still lie and cheat and steal and abuse. And Solomon, the wisest person who ever lived, said it like this in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 9 through 12. I'm going to read it to you. Here it is. I saw all of this when I thought about the things that are done in this world, a world where some people have power, and others have to suffer under them. Do we see any of this in our world today? Goes on to say, yes, I've seen the wicked buried in their graves, but on the way back from the cemetery, people praise them in the very city where the evil took place. It's useless. Why, listen, do people commit crimes so readily? He's asking this question. He's seeing people commit crimes. He's going, why? Why does this happen? And the answer is this. Because crime is not punished quickly enough. That happens even today. Justice isn't as swift as we'd like it to be. He says it's not punished quickly enough. A sinner may commit a hundred crimes and still live. And, And he says it's not right. Right? We're still sin sick. There's still problems. Matter of fact, he said earlier, he said, No one can keep from dying this battle we cannot escape. The mortality rate is still 100%. (laughs) Eventually, we're all going to pass 
from this earth. And David said in Psalm 27, 13, I would have been without hope. Everybody say without hope. If I had not believed that I would see the loving kindness of the Lord in the land of the living. He's talking about we're going to get justice one day in heaven. God's righteousness will eventually prevail. The scales of justice will tip in our favor. There will be justice. But listen, God's the only one that can judge fairly and judge rightly. He's the only one that's impartial. impartial. But according to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, he says, one day this is going to happen. For we must all, everybody say all, we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil that we've done in this earthly body. What we've done here on earth. And Lord willing, I'll have time to talk next week about the difference between two different types of judgment, a Bema seat judgment or a great white throne judgment, two unique and separate, very different judgments in heaven. Psalm 96 says it like this in verse 13, the Lord is coming to judge the earth, he'll judge the world, listen, with justice and all the nations with, listen, his truth. Everybody say his truth. How many know my truth isn't truth? (laughs) It's not full truth. I mean, as long as I'm following God's commands and God's words and saying what God says, then the power of that truth still exists when I say it. But how many understand? I can be a little one-sided when it comes to my own judgments. And so can you. That's why when people, two people get into an argument, argument and they come before a counselor, right? There, there's not just two sides of a story. How many know there's your side and there's your side and then what? There's the truth. There's God's side, and God's side is always truth. But the the problem that I face when I begin to read scriptures about hell, and I'm about to read one in just a moment in 2 Thessalonians. But the problem that I face when I listen to other preachers preach on, on, on hell, it's almost like as they're preaching it, it's almost like they're glad that people are going there. Like they're, 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 they're preaching like they're excited about it. Friends, I don't want any of you, I don't want anyone within the sound of my voice to ever go to hell. And God doesn't either. 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 9, this should break your heart. God will do what is right. He'll bring suffering on those who make you suffer. And he'll give relief to those who suffer and to us as well. And if I stopped right there, we'd go, yay, God, take vengeance. Vengeance is yours, take it. These people mistreated me. This person treated me wrong. This person abused me. So get them, God. And then we recognize that we're all standing before God and we're not blameless. It goes on to say this. He will do this when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven with his mighty angels, with a flaming fire to punish those, listen, who reject God and who do not obey the good news about our Lord Jesus. They will suffer, listen, the punishment of eternal destruction separated from the presence of God. Suffer eternal punishment separated from the presence of God. One of the worst characteristics about hell is that we would be completely separated from the presence 
of the Lord. Friends, people don't realize how bad that is. Here on earth, the, the righteous and the unrighteous both have the, the, the rain that falls from the sky and, and we all have the sunlight. The just, it rains on the just and on the unjust. Here on earth, we still have the presence of God. We, we still have life. We still have breath. We still have clean air. We've got clean drinking water. We've got food that comes up from the ground. We have the beauty of the sky and the sunsets. We have the beauty of mountain ranges and beaches. We, the, the righteous and the unrighteous have the blessing of God still here on this earth. Even those who do evil are still recipients of God's righteousness here still on the earth. But can you imagine what it would be like to be completely and totally separated from Almighty God for eternity? Hell exists because sin and evil exist. It was supposed to be a punishment for the devil and his demons. And God is holy and he's just and he won't let sin go unpunished. But God certainly doesn't want you to go to hell. Jesus did everything he could to keep you from going to hell. Jesus actually talked more about hell in the word of God than he did about heaven. So what is hell like? It's a place of torment. Matthew 8. Verses 11 and 12 says it like this, I tell all of you, many will come from the east and the west and will feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. This is awesome, man. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the, the fathers of faith, will, will feast with them, will dine with them, will have a, a celebration with them. But it goes on to say this, but the unfaithful heirs of that kingdom will be thrown into darkness outside, a place where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. Friends, people think of hell and they think of this fun place where all the partiers go, right? If you want to go have a party, Satan's going to run a huge party and he's going to have huge, like, you know, beer bongs and streamers. I don't know what they think, but they just think like, hell's going to be one big fat party and Satan's in charge. Can I just tell you, it is a myth that Satan's in charge of hell. Satan is not in charge of hell. That is the punishment that Satan gets. God made hell for Satan. So out of all the evil, he will be in punishment and in torment like those who choose to follow him. He will be in anguish just like those who follow him. One day Satan will be sent to hell. He's not in hell right now. Satan's not in hell right now. But one day he will be sent there as punishment. Think of being in total darkness, in agony for eternity. In, in a fire that cannot be quenched for all of eternity. Total aloneness. Listen, seeing no one, there are no relationships in hell. You, there's not friendships in hell. It's total darkness, total aloneness. Total isolation, no relationships. Seeing no one, but hearing the screams of agony for all eternity totally separated from God's love and God's grace and God's presence. 1 Corinthians 16, 22 says, if anyone does not love the Lord, let him be separated from God lost forever. God says you get to choose. Live with me or live without me. And people do choose to reject God. They don't understand God's goodness or God's grace or God's mercy. Sometimes people uh, that see other Christians acting uh, inappropriately or acting as, uh, uh, in a way that they should not, they're representing Christ, but they're not representing him well. And so they presume that God is the way that a, a hypocritical Christian is. And that's not true. God is perfect in every way. All loving. 
He says, whatever you choose on earth, that's where you're going to choose heaven or hell. And hell is total separation from God. The exact, listen, the exact opposite of everything God is. Do you know the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear? That means without love, in the absence of love, there is all fear. So it is all fear all the time. Constant fear and loneliness, scared to death for all eternity. And never dying. Listen, if, if, if hell is the, the eternal separation from God, then hell is everything that, that God if God is love, hell is, is no love, right? If God is light, hell is complete darkness. If God is good, then there's only evil in hell. If, there's, if God's eternal life, then it's eternal death there. If God is gracious, then hell is a place where there's no goodness or grace. Hell is the opposite of everything that God is, if God is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all these wonderful characteristics that represent who God is, can, you, can I just tell you, in the absence of God, you get the opposite of God. Friends, I don't want anybody to choose hell. I beg you to accept God's free gift while you have breath in your lungs. You say, well, how do I avoid hell? Is there a way for me to know for certain that I'm going to heaven? The good news is you can absolutely be confident of where you'll spend eternity. The Bible says you can be secure in it. First John 5, 13 says it like this. I write this to those who believe in my name, the name of the Son of God, so that you may know with settled and absolute knowledge that you already have life, eternal life. Listen, God doesn't want you guessing for all eternity. This isn't a guessing game. It's far too important. And only a fool would go through all of life unprepared for the inevitable to put off the most important decision of your entire life. Listen, friends, you got you, you to settle this today. Don't wait. And in a few moments, I'm going to pray with each and every person in this room or those watching online who decide today, I want to choose heaven. I want to choose God. I want to choose his free gift of forgiveness. I'm not perfect but I want God's forgiveness. God paid for the ticket for you to get to heaven, friends. 1 John 5, 11 and 12 says, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Here's the problem. Here's what sin has done to us. Colossians 1, 21 and 22. At one time, you were separated from God. You were his enemies in your minds, and all the evil things that you did were against God. But now, everybody say, but now. This is after you've made a decision, a willful choice to love God, to serve God, to make him Lord, to make him boss, to make him master over your life, to no longer be the boss of your own life, to, to, to resign as CEO of the universe and say, God, you're in control. Like Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, not my will, God the Father, not my will, but yours be done. And when we do that, he says, but now God has made you his friends again. Praise God. He did this through Christ's death in the body so that he might bring you into God's presence, which is heaven, as people who are holy with no wrong. Everybody say no wrong. He says, as soon as I give you this free gift of forgiveness, I see you as not guilty with nothing of which God can judge you guilty. If the worship team would come as we prepare to close. 
In other words, at one time, we were rebelling like Satan did, right? We were rebelling like Satan. We were following Satan. But Jesus paid this substitutionary penalty for our sin and now declares us not guilty. The mess we made, the sin we've committed. It's like, anybody remember old school Etch-A-Sketch? Come on, somebody. You remember those old school Etch-A-Sketch? The two knobs you turn and twist and it would create designs. It is so old school. These younger uh, people in the room are looking at me like, what? Uh, you, uh, that was the first iPad? That's... Uh, <laughs> That was, that was our first iPad. Kids, we had an iPad. It had two little scrolls on it. It was just the worst design toy in human history, but it sold millions. By the way, I just have to say, I love our students. I love our teenagers. I love this younger generation. And let me tell you this. I love it when they all walk in together uh, about five minutes after service because they're out there greeting and serving and giving. And I, I got to say, they're leading the way. And I love it. I love it. Best smiles in the world, showing Jesus, and I love it. Thank you guys for all that you do. I love it. They serve. They give. I love it. Man, it's good stuff. So how do we get there? Well, there's this one verse in the Bible that nobody's ever heard of before, but it's John chapter 3, verse 16. It's an oldie but a goodie. Go ahead and put it up on the screens. And I want us all to read this together. Now, I know you may have memorized it in a different translation, and that's okay, but I went for the KJV, okay? Because that's the only one that works. No, that's not true. 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 No, look, the key is, and by the way, just I made that joke, so I better give a reference point or I'm going to offend some people. Let me just tell you something. The Bible was written in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, okay? That was the original language. Everything else was a translation. Now, there are some paraphrases that are not true translation. There's word-for-word -word translation, and then there's thought-for-thought -thought translation, okay? And, and you have to understand the difference between the three types, the paraphrased, right, which isn't a true translation, Right? It gives a, an emphasis or an idea, a concept, and you got to go back to the Greek or the Hebrew based on if you're looking at the Old or the New Testament to determine uh, exactly what that original text has to say. Okay? And it's not like a bunch of bumpkins just showed up and just started writing uh, new translations and throwing them out there and getting money. Lots of theologians uh, have, have put their life on the line, literally going all the way back to the, the King James Version put their lives literally on the line, spent their entire lives trying to go word for word or thought for thought in, in translation. So I, I need you to understand that when I make a joke about the King James Version, what I'm really trying to describe is that if you read God's Word and you don't understand it because the, the specific translation happens to be a word for word translation, because sometimes you can take a sentence and I could say it three different ways and each one of them mean the same thing. I'm, I'm describing the same event, but if it's in a language, so to speak, that you don't fully understand, right, which the King James often is, uh, uh, sometimes we, we get caught up in the weeds on this, but I, I felt like I needed to just stop and explain, okay? So if ever you have questions or concerns about the true meaning, my encouragement would be for you to get an interlinear Bible, which actually showcases uh, through Strong's Concordance, uh, a, the Greek or the Hebrew or the Aramaic. So you can go back to the original language of what's being said. Okay, does everybody follow that? Does everybody follow that? Okay, all right. 
I don't want to preach heresy and I don't want to get emails. I'm just saying, okay, so here we go. So we're going to read it all together. You ready? Get your speaking voices on. Here we go. Here we go. Ready? For God. So you're not doing it as well as I thought you would. I, I, I've been practicing. You know, I got my speaking voice, but you got to <clears throat> clear your throat and get, get ready because this is good. Here's the answer to all of our problems right here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal or everlasting life. Come on, somebody. Is that the good news of Jesus Christ? We get it all in one verse. We get it all in one single solitary verse. How do you receive the gift of salvation? Romans 10, 9 and 10. We know it, right? If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Salvation is as easy as ABC, right? And we accept and we admit. We admit that we're sinners needing a Savior. Letter B. We believe that Jesus died for our sins, rose again on the third day. We make him the boss of our life. Then let her see, we choose to commit our lives completely to God. And by the way, you can make that commitment public. I know often when we uh, pray for those who want to make a decision for the Lord Jesus Christ, we have you raise your hand. That's the acknowledgement that you say, Mark, I, I want to be included in that prayer. And you're telling heaven, I I'm including myself in this prayer that I need Jesus to come into my life. But there's a secondary, more public way to, to make that, and that is baptism, right? After you say yes to Jesus and you make him Lord of your life and ask for forgiveness and receive that free gift of salvation, the next best step after salvation is what? It's baptism. Right? And baptism doesn't make you saved. It's very important. It's a very important next step. But it's like the ring, the wedding ring of the Christian experience. The, the ring doesn't make me married. It tells other people that I am married. And so baptism, you can tell others by your experience. And if you've never been baptized, you need to get baptized, man. Get wet for God for in this thing. Friends, it's not that hard. It's a step, an obedient step of following Christ, do this. Let us celebrate you. It doesn't matter what your age is. Follow in Christ's command to be baptized and let us celebrate you. Mark 8, 38 says it like this. Don't be ashamed of me and my teaching. Jesus says, if, if that happens, I will be ashamed of you when I come with the glory of my Father and the holy angels. I don't want God to be ashamed of me. Can you imagine if I was ashamed of my wife walking around acting, telling people, no, I'm not really married. No, I'm not married. Uh-uh, I'm not married. How do you think my wife would feel about the, our marriage? Oh, it's real strong. It's going good. My husband doesn't even act like he is. Don't, won't tell anybody about me. I tell everybody about her. She's the best thing that ever happened to me. And, and guess what? Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to me. He saved me. He set me free. He did even more for me than my wife did for me. And she's done a lot. Jesus has changed my life. How many people know you're a Christian? Do you make it public? 
Do you tell others? Do you invite others to come hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ? I encourage you to do so. Do you invite other people to church? I encourage you to do so. I'm going to be talking about heaven over the next couple weeks. Man, what a better time than, than that to be able to invite people in to say, hey, you want to hear about what, what I've learned is eternity for us? Heaven. Can't wait. Romans 10, 13 through 15. Here's our responsibility to let others know about Jesus. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Praise God for that. But how can they call on him unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him, listen, unless someone tells them? This is like obvious, by the way. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? I'm sending you right now into the Wiregrass area. I approve this message. (laughs) It's what the scriptures mean when they say, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. God wants you to share your faith. And I want everybody to be absolutely certain before you leave today that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt when this life is over here on earth that you'll experience joy, the joy of heaven, and you'll be able to bring as many people as possible to heaven with you. Let's pray about that. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, in this room, I know this has been a very intense message, but it's about our eternal destiny. And God, uh, in this room and those watching online, we have a choice to make. And I want us to make the right choice before heaven, before earth. The earth is a witness to the decision we make today. And if you're in this room and you say, Mark, I want to be included in this prayer. I I, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Or you're watching online and you're listening. You're saying, Mark, I've listened to all of this. I want to avoid hell and I want to go to heaven. Friends, there's a way to do it. And it's a decision that you make while on earth right now. I don't want anybody to go to hell. I want everybody to go to heaven. And Jesus made it so crystal clear, so easy, and so plain. He did most all the work for us. We just have to make a decision to accept that gift. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, right now, I'm going to invite you into this moment where you say yes to Jesus. Yes to his goodness. Yes to his love. Yes to his forgiveness. Yes to his grace. And if that's you and you say, Mark, I want to say yes. A resounding yes. Maybe this is the first time you've made that decision. Or maybe you're rededicating your life to the Lord. Maybe you've walked away from God. Or maybe you're a Christian, but you've lived in some willful disobedience toward God and toward his word. Friends, you can make this a rededication prayer and say yes all over again. If that's you, in any category I just mentioned, I want you to do this. On the count of three, I'm going to invite you to slip up your hand, acknowledging by the raised hand, Mark, include me in this prayer right now. I want to know that I know that heaven is my home. Come on, right now. One, two, three. Right now, lift it up all over this place. Yes, God bless you. Three, four, five, six. Yes, seven. God bless you. Eight, nine, ten of you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? I'm just scanning on the main floor and on the balcony. Yeah, God bless you. Under the balcony, yeah, God bless you. 11, God bless you. Anybody else? That's you. I'm not trying to talk you into anything but heaven right now. I'm trying to talk you out of hell and into heaven. God bless you. You can put your hands down. 
And I, I feel compelled to, to just make one more attempt. And here's why I do this. The, the scripture I just read about acknowledging Jesus before others, I want you to understand this. I'm not gonna do anything to embarrass you. I, I'm, it's not my heart to judge you. It's my heart to invite you into relationship with Jesus Christ right now. But there may be some in this room, you, you hesitate to raise your hand. Maybe you uh, tried it once and you stumbled and fell and then you realize, well, I guess I'm not perfect, so I'm not gonna try. Listen, it's not about you trying, it's about you trusting in Jesus Christ and his goodness, his love, his mercy, his forgiveness. Don't listen, friends, if your heart's beating 100 miles an hour and you just don't know why and you can't figure it out, the Holy Spirit is trying to prompt you to make this decision while there is yet time. Friends, if there comes a moment, and, and I would never wish this on anyone, but that we were to leave this place and something tragic happened, we would stand immediately before God on that judgment day, and there would be no more choosing. So my heart is struggling to move beyond this point because I feel God prompting me that there are others that need desperately to respond. And I'm not trying to manipulate this moment at all. I just sense the Holy Spirit prompting me to continue. And I'm not asking you, if you already raised your hand, I'm not asking you to raise it a second time, but for, for someone or ones in this room, you're battling, you're fighting, and you just say, Mark, I'm, I give up, that's me. I need to know that I know. I need to know that heaven will be my home. I need God's full forgiveness and grace right now. Come on, if that's you, lift it up right now, all over this place, yes, yeah, yeah, God bless you, yeah. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, friend. You're worth the wait. <laughs> You're worth the wait, man. <laughs> God's been crying out for you for years. Family members have been praying for you. God's been seeking you. He's been trying to draw you with his love. Don't you dare miss this moment, friend. Come on, if that's you. God bless you. Yeah. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. And it may be for somebody online. I don't know who it is. I just know. I don't want anybody to go to hell. Let's pray this prayer together. Everyone in the room, and especially you, who lifted up your hands and made that willful decision. Can we pray this prayer together? All of us, if you repeat this prayer out loud after me, say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I repent for all I've done wrong. I believe that you died and rose again for me. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing me. I choose to trust you with every area of my life. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to give God praise for every angel in heaven and all of heaven rejoices when one makes a decision. Come on, let's worship the King together. Come on, let's celebrate.
Friends, it's who he is. He's a loving God who desperately wants to give you life eternal. And on this earth, the Bible says that he's got plans for you. They're good. They're not just good plans in eternity. That would be great. But what about now? What about here and now? God has plans for you right now to love people, to serve alongside people, to grow together in the goodness of God, to share the love of Jesus Christ with as many as you can possibly connect with. He's got great plans for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. On this earth even, he's got good gifts he wants to give you. Here's what I'd like for you to do. Those that are uh, making that decision for the first time, we would love, 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 love to connect with you by prayer. We want to encourage you. We want to give you a gift for hanging out with us and specifically a gift for making a decision to follow Christ. Here's how you can get that gift. You just text the word D1WALK to the number 84576. And what we're going to do is we're going to send you a free downloadable copy of a booklet called One to One to help you in your journey of faith. It's a journey. It's not, listen, the destination is heaven, but on this earth, we don't reach the destination. The Bible says we, we continue to strive, like we're running for a marathon. We strive toward those good things that God has in store for us. Every day, we grow in his goodness. So I encourage you to go ahead and take your smartphone and fill that out. If you want to be baptized, friends, you can take your phone, a smartphone, and go ahead, use that QR code, and let us know you want to be baptized. The next best step after salvation or grow track listen we want to help you to know your gifts the talents and abilities god given you and then be able to put that to use for his purpose that's called serving god specifically in a unique way god gifted you and we want to help you find and develop those gifts we're going to encourage you with that if you got prayer requests praise reports we want to know about that as well listen here's what i want to do i'm going to dismiss some of our leadership team because they're going to go back and they're going to be ready in our reception room, our guest reception room. It's out the doors and to the left. You'll see a big sign there. If you have questions, ask one of those leaders and they'll direct you. But if you're a first-time guest or we've never had the privilege of meeting you, we'd be so honored to do that. Just uh, if you'll make your way to that room and let us know, we'll be delighted to be able to meet you today and greet you. And by the way, I don't want to forget to say this. My wife, Michelle, sends her love uh, to all of you today. She's on a plane right now coming back from Dallas, and uh, she sends her love and greetings to you. She loves you so very much. But I want to release you with this blessing. One last reminder, if you didn't get the word, I hate to say it, tonight is canceled, but that doesn't mean that, that just because trunk or treat's canceled that you can't share Jesus with people in another way. Find a way, right? Find as many ways as you can. And I want to release you with this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace. And may the Lord our God write his name on your hearts and declare you're my child. No one can take you from my hand. May you know the love of your Savior that came and died for you and rescued you. And may you give that love away to as many people as humanly possible that we could empty out hell and populate heaven because of the love of God. And I bless you with beautiful feet that you can go and release the gospel message. Have the shoes of peace to release the gospel message to as many as you can. I bless you to be a blessing to your coworkers, to your family, to your friends, 
to your spouse, your kids, your grandkids. I bless you to bless our city, this region, and this world with the love of Jesus Christ. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we love you. God bless you. And we look forward to seeing you this Wednesday for our front porch event or this week. God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>